and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew of Sam and Westy. Coming at you a little bit later in the week than normal due to unforeseen circumstances, as in my computer uh, failing to work. Uh, but now it's back and fixed, hopefully. Uh, and as well, myself and Westy were at the Connacht preview event, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, let's start with checking in with the boys. Sam, you're sort of back to health a little bit, but you've had a, a tough couple of weeks. Yeah, back. I was back. So, yeah, last week we were on the podcast and I was back in work a day. Then the next day, started to do a dizzy. Went off to meet you for a round of golf. And, geez, I've never felt worse than I did. Like, I was honest to God. I was, it was worse than the week before with the the positive COVID. I, and then I was in bed for a week after that. Anytime I got up, I thought I was going to pass out fainting. My heart was going 90. My lungs were sore as anything. Pounding headache kind of just over it then Saturday, Sunday. So I went back into work yesterday, fell asleep, or went back to work on Monday, fell asleep at like seven o'clock. So recovered now pretty much fully, but just so, so tired. Like I don't, you know, I know it affects everyone differently, but anyone that goes around going, oh, sure, it's just a cold. It's like, fuck you. It's just a cold for you. It was not just a cold for me. Like this is three full weeks of being absolutely miserable. Maybe it was some of the side effects of being so close to a couple of the bombs that I was launching that night in the golf course. I just want, maybe it was that, was it? What do you hit, like 20 over? Uh, five, thank you very much. Five per uh, hole, I think. Five, <laughs> five eighteens is 90, off the top of my head, right? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, but yeah, that's good. Glad you're on the mend anyway, yeah, you had a, a tough couple. Of Ready for there. Friday evening. Just have to get my ticket sorted because the kind of ticketing site is shocking. It is like we don't. We're we're less critical of the team than we are the website. The website's fucking awful. Well, it's oh, just the ticketing yeah. side of things, anyway. But um, Westicles, how are you, my friend? How was? How have you been? Uh, I've been pretty good. Um, I spent a few days down at the beach in La Hinch, which was really nice. Um, and I got the fantastic news on Monday that my car passed its NCT. Yeah. Now, just to put to put it in context, I put it in for a service uh, Monday last week. Just, you know, quick in and out job. Uh, and it was only finished uh, Saturday afternoon. So I was getting pretty worried there at one point that, uh, and I suppose the service would cost almost as much as the car. And the car's worth fuck all, but still, it was a lot to pay for a service. Well, Messi went to collect it. It was just a completely different car. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like pimp my ride. Where it's like, yeah, we just ditched your car and gave you a new one. You we know put the- a fish tank in the backseat. <laughs> you know what you don't want to do when you pass your NCT? This happened to me a few years ago after I crashed my car and the mechanic told me to get a new one and said I couldn't afford a new one please just try and get on the road and he said look it's on the road stick it in the NCT if you want but it's not going to pass and then it got through first time I ever passed first time and she was congratulations yeah you passed your NCT I went really? <laughs> and she got a <laughs> NCT isn't that thorough of a test really when you break it down but oh, not that not, car we're not here to talk about NCTs lads. We're that car I tell you what I got for that car when I went to sell it for scrap I got 36 euro for scrap for that car and I got a 21 euro taxi home afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that it does seem amazing that surely you could have sold that car for 50 euro. I could, but I mean? the, ta- the tax had run out and I just didn't want it on outside the house anymore. I just wanted rid of it. So I saw absolute eyesore. Um, but yeah, we feel like I said the last before we recorded, we feel like we've been off for a week, but we haven't. It's just we're a few days later than normal. Uh, but we'll briefly touch on Connacht's performance last weekend before we get into the big preview of this weekend's rugby. Um, a win, a finally a win, lads, back on the board uh, away to Benetton. And as always, in classic Connacht fashion, nothing easy about it. Uh, Westy, though, I think performance aside, the win was the biggest thing coming from that weekend, especially, uh, you know, coming into this weekend. 
Yeah, definitely. Like, it's, first off, it was really important to get a win and you know, kind of shake off, um, shake off the last two games. Such heavy defeats, you know, you have to get a win on the board. If we'd lost this game, you definitely would get the feeling that our season is over, um, and it would be tough then for the lads to motivate themselves for for upcoming games. Um, but like you know, you say it wasn't a great performance. It was a, it was a Treviso side that were brimming with confidence. Uh, we got off to a great start, and then we kind of staggered a little bit towards the middle. I think actually defensively they were really strong. I think they worked out a lot of what Connacht were trying to do, and managed to hit us behind the gain line quite a few times. Um, but yeah, look, they had a lot of their internationals back. Michael Lamro had a great game, of course, back from uh, from the national side. Uh, Treviso is a difficult place to go. Like they they have pushed teams close there in the last two years. A uh, couple of, you know, one score games, victories against us and Munster and beating us there, beating us the last time we were there. So um, it was by, it's by no means a foregone conclusion that you're going to go there and, and demolish them. So um, I think what was really impressive about it was the way we fell behind and then managed to actually almost, well, not instantly, but quite soon after, correct it, get over the line and get a score back. So um, I was really impressed with how the guys reacted. Yeah, 100%. Sam, I said the first 20 minutes was quite impressive. Were you expecting them to kick on? Or, again, do we have too much emotional baggage for that over after the season we were having? The realist in me didn't think they'd kick on. The realist in me was like, well, this will get tight at some point. But no, when I was watching, I didn't understand how they couldn't kick on at the time. They were flying the lines they were running, like he and Prendergast line after 30 seconds for that try, and then to dictate for Tiernan to do the switch and then not give it to him and go himself anyway like a majestic lion that he is running down the pitch was brilliant and I was kind of going oh happy days this is where it's going but uh, Treviso kind of did two things they worked out the defence and they stopped that hard running and like Wesley said got us behind the gain line I think they really attacked Jack kind of on that pullback line that he runs so we go off the scrum half to the forward pod and then they pull it back to Jack but he was getting hit man on ball or getting pressured man on ball and we weren't getting it out wide and when you nullify that against us, you're kind of nullifying us because we don't really earn the right to do that. We don't power it up through the middle a couple of times, a couple of phases, first 10 minutes, and then go wide. We try that from minute one. And if, if you nullify that, it's it's game over for us, really. So he kind of, uh, Treviso, they got on top of that after the first 20 minutes after the two tries that we got. And then another thing that happened at some point after about 20 minutes, uh, there was a change. Their front row did something in the scrum. I don't know if it was legal or not. I don't understand the intricacies of the front row, but they did something. They changed their binder. They changed the, the manner of attack and they got on top because we won scrum penalty after scrum penalty for the first 10, 15 minutes. And if you're winning that many scrum penalties, like we can attest to this as Connick fans, we've seen it going the other way. The team that wins those scrum penalties gets on top because they put it down. They get a new platform. They're pressuring on. Yellow cards can come. All sort of manner of things. So, Whatever Treviso did to get back on top of the scrum really put a, put us on the back foot because that's when we stopped kind of having all the control in the game. And then at the start of the second half, it just wasn't really the kick on that we wanted. But you have to applaud the kind of resilience, of the mental side of things and for them to go down and get the try that they needed in the position that they needed. It was kind of they all just went, looked at each other and said, you know, we're not definitely playing the best game that we've ever played, but we're not going to lose this. It was sheer determination that got them over and I'm delighted for TATA to Umaga as well because I think he's been integral to the last couple of good performances we've had. So for him to get that try was, I think, huge for us and huge for him. So 
Yeah, I think that's the main thing to take away from that game was the reaction of the players at the final whistle. Like they were delighted, and you know, uh, so as I said, Westy before the resilience of it to, to come back and and get that win. When it's very easy, I'm sure, as players, seasons not going your way, you have a massive game the next week that probably your mind is you know probably focused on as well. To see that reaction then in the final whistle, it just really backs home, Wesley, that these players, they are, they are just as frustrated as the fans are when it comes to the season. Um, and they're not gonna, they're not just, they're not taking it lying down. Yeah, we're just talking about frustration now. Like, even when we scored those first two tries, I don't think I overly clapped and cheered because I was just so tense because of how important the game was. And even the commentators during it kept pointing out that, like, for Connacht, this is cup rugby. Like, we now have to win these games or, or our chances of, Finishing in the top eight or gone, you know, or, you know, where our season's effectively over on our next loss. If, if you want to really look at it that way, obviously, you can still use the games for development and for players. Obviously, there's still value in winning, but um, for what we want to achieve this year, we now have to win all the games. Um, and definitely, we've said it before that like it's it's not as if like I'm not going to stand there and say that I don't think like these guys are a fantastic group of players. I can't have a good good crop of players, a good maybe 27 or 30 players that I think can start in and out in any position. Okay, you go below then, you're into a little bit of youth, a little bit of inexperience, but I think it's a fantastic squad and there's great ability in it. So obviously they were frustrated at, at, at you know, the last two results in particular, you know, getting so heavily thumped by Edinburgh, uh, in Edinburgh, and then, okay, the red card early on sets the tone for the Leinster game, but also having to, you know, to go through that, obviously, you know, you're going to be frustrated. And as I said before, I think the important thing is about how they reacted. Now you can say, okay, we, we did take our foot off the gas and stuff did start to come unstuck a little bit after after we went uh, after we went up early. Um, but it is so often and, and it is a thing that's been leveled against us all season that you know our the last 20 minutes or the last quarter were not as strong. And even I talked about last week how um a lot of the games we were conceding like two or three tries in really quick succession, and then that was kind of putting us a bit on the back foot. But it was really impressive to see the guys keep their heads for the entire game and, you know, keep playing the kind of smart rugby and trusting in the systems. Um, I think that's why you see such exuberance on a pitch is because it's quite, although it's an emotional occasion, uh, I think everything is being monitored. Every emotion is being kept at a certain level because we're like, we have to, we have to squeeze a win out of this game no matter what. So definitely I think that that then is that burst of kind of euphoria at the end where everyone is just delighted to have gone and gotten, which is a, a good result to get. Um, and put ourselves in the best kind of position we can for not only for the URC as it goes on, but gets us in a winning mentality and gets these players, gets a monkey off their back as they go into what is probably the biggest game most of them have played thus far in their career. And as well, when you look at the next a month of fixtures it's just a murderer's row kind of, of toughness. So keeps them in the hunt, is, is, it keeps the hopes alive, Sam, right? Definitely, yeah. And just what Wesley said about that last quarter, kind of that mentality thing, if you look at the last quarter all season, that's been an issue and that's that's been heavily highlighted. So I'm sure the players are very aware of that and they want to get rid of that moniker. But even in the last two games, like Leinster and Edinburgh, I don't think they scored a point in the second half against Edinburgh and they definitely didn't against Leinster. So that's two second halves where they've gone no points. So to score one late in the manner that they did, will def- it, it just lifts a whole load of kind of hoodoo over certain things like they're not scoring in the second half of the last two games. They've been poor and losing in the final quarter of games. So... I think it's the best preparation they could have going into the Leinster game, just getting that win, getting kind of back onto the winning, uh, the winning side of things. So, yeah, you think it's not, it wasn't a perfect performance by any shape of imagination, but I think that if you look at Treviso, 
it has traditionally been an easy enough hunting ground for a lot of teams, but not actually for Connacht. Going to Italy has never been a guaranteed five points for Connacht the way it has been for other teams. It's always been tricky. We've gotten stuck there a few times, and not just at Treviso as every we've played below below par as well at times in the past. So I think that they'll all just be happy with the win now and to concentrate fully on this Leinster game. Definitely, we'll, we'll we'll kind of we'll leave it there for in terms of that that game, but great win uh, nonetheless. Uh, it's time to focus on this week's game uh, on Friday evening in the sports ground. Uh, biggest game of the year so far, uh, biggest game in Connacht history, and arguably because first time they've ever gotten to a Champions Cup quarter final. Um, which knockout. Is, it's uh, not the quarter final this year. Oh, sorry. Yeah, knockout. Apologies. Uh, I was just I was just saying we're going to be in the last sixteen. Yeah. That's good. I like that. See that? See that? Visualize Put it. out into the world what you want, Sam. You know, <laughs> energies and all that. Uh, but yeah, Leinster come to Sportsground again uh, after their game two weeks ago. Um, uh, it's interesting, the mindset of the Connick fans uh, ahead of this game. I, I put out a tweet today asking kind of questions for the podcast. Um, the majority, kind of the theme of it is what is acceptable? What's a decent scoreline? Uh, you know what? What do we have to do to have a chance going into the second one? Which probably says, and look, it makes sense. Form players, teams. There's not. I wouldn't give Con much chance either if I was, uh, you know, looking at uh, in from the outside. But um, Westy, it's very hard to take the last game against Leinster with much salt because of the red card. And you know, already it's so quick to forget. Con were leading at half time in that game. Second half obviously was uh, atrocious, but. Between mistakes and tiredness, the games kind of got away from from Connacht. Um, but I think Connacht will look at that first half against Leinster uh, two weeks ago. Uh, I think there will be some there. There will be belief and hope there. Yeah, I, I don't think it's it's ever a question that we don't know how to play against Leinster. Even in in the earlier game of the season, our first half isn't really our problem. It's as the game progresses and as we're starting to fatigue, and obviously that's amplified then by. You know, and having Tom 100% Dick. Andrew Porter that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, that was the scrum completely changed everything, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but the, the, the game last week or two weeks ago was heavily influenced, of course, by, by the red card. Of course, everyone is more fatigued then. But one of the things I would say is that throughout the season, kind of tend to get exposed on the wider channels. We tend to get sucked in. And as we get fatigued, that gets worse. And that's probably why in the last quarter we're conceding these tries. We've had trouble scoring, but they definitely won't be. It's going to be a slightly different Leinster team. I don't know if it's going to be 100% Leinster team, but it'll be a slightly changed Leinster team. But I, I still don't think the Connacht lads will necessarily fear any of these guys. They've played against them enough times and they've beaten, I think they've beaten nearly everybody that could be playing against them at the weekend, whether they played full 90 minutes against them or they came on for the last 10 minutes or I think when we played them in the RDS and beat them two years ago, Johnny Sexton went off after 20 minutes or something like that. So, there's no one individual. It's more the, obviously some of the Leinster machine. And, and we see that even in how they, how clinical they were and how good they were against Munster last week because they were able to slot in and make a couple of changes, a couple of guys here and there. And to be honest, they, they still looked almost the exact same powerhouse they were against the 14-man Connacht. So while it's worrying in the sense that, yeah, Leinster have the ability to do that, I don't think there's necessarily any individual fear on a player-to-player basis. Um Obviously, with it being such an occasion, that can be it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? You, you'll have no problem getting up for this occasion because it's, again, as we said, probably the biggest game most of these players have, have played thus far in their careers. Um, but it can also you have to also worry about letting the occasion get the better of you because um, the occasion might make you more nervous than necessarily. And obviously, Leinster's storied history in this competition makes them 
you know, they are a different animal in the Heineken Cup than they are in the in the um, in the URC. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's there's a huge fear of the individuals of Leinster, but definitely what they're capable of doing is very worrying. You don't want for example, you don't want for example to come out and get a red card after two minutes when you're so pumped up. Is that what you're saying, Westy? That'd be that'd be tough. Yeah, that would be that would set a very bad tone. I think just before Sam comes in, I think Leinster will kind of almost want this done. I think we were talking to somebody uh, on Monday and they said Leinster will want this shut down this week. They'll want to be able to have a bit of rotation next week or have a bit of, they won't want it riding on the second week. So that again is also the risk where they could kind of be their own undoing and going too hard at it this week. And I think the important thing for us is to really, is to be after the 90 minutes, after the 80 minutes is gone to still be in the fight because it is a game of two halves or technically four halves if you want to look at it but there's two games to play here I think the, the occasion is actually something that I think Connacht have dealt with well again in the Interpros in the last few years we've seen them rise the occasion and one of the criticisms we have is that they can't rise to that sort of level in the non-occasion time so I think that actually I think a lot of those players will thrive on it and they'll pull out display or have the potential to pull out a display that really upsets Leinster because we've seen it happen time and time again where we've you know, we've put it up to Leinster and Munster or Ulster and then can't beat the Dragons the next week. And that's been a criticism of Connacht more so that the occasion will get to them too much, the Tom Daly red card last week aside. Uh, the one thing, Wes, you say like about wanting to stay in the fight and Leinster wanting to do it early. I can tell you, Leinster might want to do it early, but the IRFU will be swearing their bollocks off if Leinster do it early because it's not sold as well in the Aviva as they've hoped. And I think that that was a big earner that they were hoping for. So, you mean the game that's uh, five o'clock on Good Friday is shockingly yeah. not selling well? No. So Who would have thought? The IRFU need this to be a tight affair so they can market it as such. See, let me tell you how it works. IRFU are a government body and most government bodies are closed on Good Friday. So they don't realise that the rest of us are actually working. That was well, you I common get... people work? What? <laughs> I got criticised for that as well because someone put it up and I went, oh, great time, Good Friday. Like, you know, get the pints in and go to Dublin. And someone had to remind me that not everyone gets two weeks off for Easter. <laughs> yeah, shockingly enough, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll get into a couple of questions here. So uh, Anna uh, tweeted in a question. Uh, Wesley, we'll throw this one to you first. Uh, do we keep the 6-2 split that we've had for the last few games? It seems to have worked well. I I like the 6-2 split, and I think against Leinster, it's it's a good tool. What worries me is who are going to be the two. Because I think even actually Sam said it last week about Tom Daly, and he's he's banned for this game. So he's usually key to that 6-2 split because you can go with the likes of either Marmion or Blade, a scrum half, and you can go with Daly there to cover centre or a fly half if something changes. So although I'd love to see a 6-2 split, I think personnel-wise, logistically, we might not see it happen, and 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 I'm not saying that will be the difference, but I think the sixty split is the best way to go if we can. But I think so, Westy. Do you not think Sammy Arnold has a bit of versatility because he's played on the wing for us against Munster a few times? If there's big wingers, we have him on the wing quite often. Yeah. And yeah. outside of the out half thing, which I just think, you know, Daly is a special case, and that's you don't really have those uh those non-specialist out halves. But I think he does cover kind of across the back line, and you can do a bit of maneuvering with. Sammy Arnold if you have him on the bench and if Bundy's back fit and you have Farrell in the centre I think that Arnold probably will be on the bench Yeah, yeah I think that works and again if, if you look at it in a case of Mac can also maybe slot into that 10 role I don't know if they've looked at it in training hopefully they looked at it this week as, as a possibility with the 60 split I'm not saying it's not workable I'm just saying that the the kind of key kind of pivotal point of it working is usually that we have great, great cover on the bench I think Sammy Arnold could start against Leinster I think we could, we'll want that big physical kind of in-your-face ball carriers 
Um, I just, I, I, you know, I, I, I worry. I think, I think without Tom, it's not our strongest way of going. But yeah, it can work with, with Sammy Arnold as well if the other guys are preparing to cover other positions too. Yeah, you don't necessarily. Uh, I remember the st- when Mac first came, they played training games against each other, and Mac did play ten. Uh, I'm pretty sure, but uh, do you want to be doing it for the first time in a game in in a knockout? Well, not knockout, but uh, you know, it would Leinster come the time. It's the tough. idea, though, the idea of a six-two split is really that you don't want to be changing your ten, and that you're kind of hoping to get through the eighty anyway, and you have a break glass in case of emergency option. Even if Daly's on the bench, he's not on the bench as a replacement ten. You know, that's a break glass in case of emergency sort of thing. So I think that you know Mac being a an option there if needs be and you have Sammy Arnold who can cover the wing who can move Porty to fullback if Tiernan starting or whatever the case is there and can also cover centre I think that that kind of works uh, I think as you were saying Sammy might start but I just think if you Bundy back now with his run and the way he will and with his leadership and his kind of the, the fire he brings and if Farrell plays anything because he was probably one of the only players really to play fully throughout the game last week at a top level, I think if you can keep him fit, if he stays fit and he's fit for this one, I think you have to have the two of them because we've seen what the two of them can do together as well. It's it's absolutely beautiful when it's working in tandem. What's what's been great though about the centre partnerships this year is that they've all been pretty solid. So uh, you know whoever starts alongside Bundy, I'm not going to be unhappy with. No. Uh, just on Bundy though, are we sure Bundy's fully healthy? I I can't see him being fully healthy now. I'm not saying he shouldn't play. I think what he brings to the team, even just being on the pitch, is huge. But uh, the the bunny that we all know and love, that's you know so physical. Are we sure we're going to get that? But there's no way of knowing. We, we we can only go on the the announcement of today, which is that there's only two out, which is Daly is out and Delahunt is out uh, for the rest of the season. Bundy wasn't uh, Buckley as well. And Buckley, sorry, and but Bundy wasn't included in that. He was uh, he was deemed to be fully fit, so you can only go on that. He was heavily strapped. In the last Ireland game he played, he looked like he was kind of carrying a limp. And he Do you mean guns or injuries? <laughs> a bit of both. Like he's the gun show all the time as well. Anyway, serious gun show. But uh, no, his knee was strapped, and uh, it was like heavily strapped. And I know he had the knee injury off the back of the New Zealand game, and then he missed a game during the Six Nations because they said a bit of a knock. So he might not be a hundred percent fit. But Jesus, if he's fifty percent fit, he's ready to go. Like we know, uh, we know Bundy's desire to be on the pitch. I remember you were saying last week, Wes, you were reading the front of Rise Up and. One of my favourite anecdotes out of that is the week before, was it the, the second game against Glasgow in the what, what we call the semi-final and the quarter-final, but it was actually the last league game. Wasn't he in a moon boot for the entire week to try and get himself back on the pitch just because he was so determined to play? Like, that's the determination you want. That's why you want him in the game against Leinster. Like, there's no one in the Connacht team, in the entire 52 registered players that's going to want to play more and going to want to leave a mark. Might end up getting himself red-carded because of leaving marks, but... Yeah, I think if we're, if we're 40 points down, 10 minutes to go, let's just start slapping lads. You know what I mean? I'm down for, I'm down for that. Uh, but no, I think you're 100% right with Bundy. Once he's on the pitch, the, how vocal he is and everything like that, it just makes Connacht better. But um, Keno uh, has also sent in a question. He sent in two. First one is, when are we going for pints? Oh. Uh, and Keno, we will be going for pints. Don't you worry about that. Uh, be our first time meeting the man, the myth, the legend himself in the flesh. So we are looking forward to that. And then he also, of course, has sent in a brilliant question to tag along with that. Uh, but uh, Sam, we'll go with this one to you. How do you think Connacht are going to approach the selection and tactics-wise? Do you play for the double header or do you just go flat out for one game? All the pressure is on Leinster to perform and Connacht have been the snake in the long grass for them before. Um let's break that down uh, let's go the, the double header or the one game at a time thing what do you think uh, Connacht are, are aiming for here everyone in the entire professional rugby's experience is 
is one game at a time. We don't, we don't have double headers, so no one really knows how to approach it. It's not like a well-versed soccer team in the Champions League who knows how to play in a way in Russia on a Wednesday night. We don't know how to approach it. All you can do is beat them the first game, make sure you're in the fight, and then go out and try and beat them the second game. There's, I, I don't think there's any tactics that exist yet be around the double header. I think that they will go full strength in the sports ground. They're going to want to make amends for the game two weeks ago. They're going to want to win this game. They're going to want to lay down a marker. They want to put themselves in position. The last thing you want to do is roll over and try and chase a lead against Leinster. So I think tactically wise, they'll do that and they'll go for it. And I think they'll do what they did in the first half against Leinster two weeks ago, even with the 14 men and in the RDS earlier on in the season. And that's attack them at the, the scrums and lineouts and try and get on top of them and try and essentially just rile them up you know get a little niggly get kind of up in their face because Leinster really are so used to teams rolling over in front of them they don't like that and it can get on top of them and I know they came back and they absolutely hockeyed us then in the second half of the game two weeks ago but you saw how frustrated that Leinster team were in the first half because they weren't being allowed to play and our seven-man scrum was putting it up to their eight-man scrum and it was really getting under their skin so I think that's what Connacht will do. They'll throw Niall Murray up at two every time to try and disrupt the line out. They'll try and run hard. They'll get people like Connor Oliver trying to get over every ball. And if we have a ref that allows us to get on top of the ball, slow them down, kind of frustrate them into a, a two-fro battle, that's that's the best thing. Because if you allow Leinster to play, it's going to really hurt you because Leinster is just so you know stacked with talent that they're going to be able to play across the park. So I think that you know really getting at them and trying to front up to them might not physically be the same size, but you can be sure as hell there'll be a lot of aggression in that kind of team. They'll want to lay down a marker. Uh, well, if you're saying Conor Oliver is going to get away with a lot, if the IRFU do want to be competitive in the second game, let's let's let a, let's let a few things go. You know what I mean? Let the boys play, as I say. Um, I think personally, I think you throw everything at them first game. You all the torpedoes, launch them. Uh, Papa Sander. But every anything, whatever we think is our best chance, because I just don't think. If if we're down twenty going to the Viva, it's just not happening. You, you need to be within a score, if not, you know, a bit of a lead, and then you just hope that the things go your way next Friday. It's Good Friday, maybe Jesus is a Connacht fan. Who knows? Good new Viva as well. The same. Yeah, exactly. Happy so old. I think I think you have to. You can't be holding anything back this game. I just don't think it's feasible. Uh, Westy, is that what do you think about that? Yeah, I wouldn't say that you hold anything back. And and even, you know, we heard during the week when, when Connacht tend to fall behind in games, it's because we tend to maybe try and hold back and start playing that little bit more conservatively and then we're, we're too tired. And, and, you know, teams like Leicester um, or teams like Stad are able to exploit that. So I think the kind of thing is to stick to our guns, to play our game and to, to get out there. Like, I, this sounds kind of silly, but to, to just get out there and enjoy it, to kind of push on and play a good brand of rugby and and be excited to be where you are and, and, and try and get as much out of the game as you can. I think there's a really easy answer here, which is no, like we should be really conservative. If we can get to the Aviva with a scoreline of 12-6, you know, against us, that's great. We can we can throw it around in the Aviva. But no, I think that, you know, as you said, if you're going to the Aviva and you, whatever, if you play your game and, and it doesn't work and, and Leinster get above you, if you try to play this ultra conservative, no conceding, you know, no conceding points kind of game plan, and Leinster still hockey you, then it's very hard to get up for a game in the Aviva. So at least if we go out and play our game plan, we can tweak it, we can change things, we can try different combinations if we need to for the game in the Aviva. Whereas if you go out there already admitting that your game plan won't work in this game, then how do you implement it in the second game? 
Yeah, I, I don't want us sitting there Sunday being like, wow, we didn't even like throw a punch. You know what I mean? We didn't even have a go. That's the that's the worst case scenario. This if we be, get beat by fifty, but we gave it a fucking go, I'd, I'd I'm, I'm much happier in in that case. Um, second part of that question then, uh, Westy, uh, tactics wise, um, ha, ha, what what is the best way to beat this Lance team? I, I know that's a tough question to ask. Uh, <laughs> I've been someone. sitting on the answer for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just waiting for someone to employ me so I can <laughs> hatch my plan. Yeah, uh, but I, what what is it? Is it keeping the ball in play, or is it really attacking the scrum and line? As Sam said, what is what is the the best way Connor can go about this? Um, I think the first thing to do is look internally at the things that we can control so we need to look at our our scrumming in particular right because that's been kind of up and down this season we had a problem with the lion area season and we seem to have kind of solved it but our scrum started to fall apart and our scrum in the last few weeks has let us down a little bit now not always but as sam said treviso seemed to have something click and they got on top of us um so we need to make sure at scrum time that we're we're staying in the fight and we're competing and we're doing so you know uh, legally the other side of that coin the thing that i think we have to control is our discipline I can't remember the stats now, but we have a shock in discipline rate. We've had something like... 160 penalties before the game at the weekend. Yeah, but even on top of that, it's as well, we've had something like 12 yellow cards in the season already, which is like in the league, we're averaging a yellow card a game, which is really worrying. like Prendergast though, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but the, but the thing is, I think most of them, most of them are from compound penalties. So most of them are from... That's right, I think that statistic includes the Heiden Cup game. So it's not... 12 or 10 or 12 yellows in, in the URC, but in total. So it's when we start conceding these penalties and particularly at scrum time or particularly uh, maybe when we're camped on our own line, we start giving away these sloppy penalties that compound and result in a yellow card. And if you look at the games, games like when we beat Munster in, in, the, in the sports grinder games, when we were so close against Munster. It's because our line defense was so strong because we were so good at and defending that small channel, that, that five or 10 meter channel from between 22 and the try line. So those are the areas we have to be so much more disciplined and so much more clever. So I think that's the first point. And, and, and it's the two points. It's control what you can control. And it's control your discipline at scrum time uh, and in open play. The other side then, as I think Sam said it best, is to get up in their faces, is to compete against them. Leinster are used to teams crying, that, you know, crying off at some point. And you see the value of saying in the fight, okay, you can look at the weekend and say Munster's still lost. But Munster is scoring a try and getting back within scrapping distance of the game with 20 minutes to go like a great try from Dale Ende so I think the more you stay in a fight and the more you stay in their faces um, the better opportunity you give yourself to either frustrate them into making errors or in a case of someone like Connacht who our game plan is to move the ball quickly and create space the more we keep doing that you can hope that you end up with a mismatch or hope that you're you know that 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 our, our, our set plays bear fruit um, it's when we put our heads down and, and we saw it like we saw two weeks ago, Leinster can see the try. We kick off. Our heads are down and they run in straight away and score another one. And that was the start of three tries in 10 minutes. And two of them were in two minutes. So I think it's about, as Sam said earlier, staying up in our faces and keeping our minds on the game at hand. I think we actually have to not think about next week at all and just go out there and play this one-off game um, and make sure every every play counts. The only thing that matters is what happens next on the ball. What's happened before, what happened next week doesn't matter. Um, so we have to stay in the moment, if you can think of a, a better phrase, um, and keep as much pressure on Leicester as we can. Like you guys said already, they're the ones with the expectation. There's no expectation on us here. I think that was, that was beautiful, Wesley. That really, I believe, I'm, I'm, I believe. I'm ready to run through a fucking wall over here. Tell you that. 
that's my uh, my Independence wall, Day. <laughs> it's my Independence Day rallying speech right there. That's uh, your uh, Al Pacino uh, any given any Sunday. Given <laughs> <laughs> Gotta fight uh, for those inches. <laughs> <laughs> the the only way we're gonna win this game is two words, lads. Offload city. Who's oh. with me? Let's go. Anyone? Oh. No. Okay. Uh, right. Next question then is from uh, Vincent Ward. He wants to hear our panel starting fifteen and then obviously bench. So. Um, Let's go with the assumption that we are doing a 6-2 split because I think we all want a 6-2 split. Oh, yeah. 7-1. 7-1. I think you put Papa as the, the sub-back and just, just he's across the back line. How about 6-3 and let's just see if the IRFU don't check it. I mean, who knows? Did it check that sort of stuff? Probably not. Um, Sam, start off front row. Uh, what, what are we thinking here? What do we want to see? What are we most likely going to see? Uh, I think you'll see Matty Burke and Hefo and, uh, and Finley. I wouldn't be adverse to seeing TATA because I think that that bulk and standing up to them will be huge. They Leinster didn't start with Furlong at the weekend. He brought they brought him on. They brought him on very early in the second half. They gave him a good thirty-five minutes. Uh, they brought him on really smartly. They brought himself and Sheehan on and uh, Keen Healy at pretty much the same time after about forty-five minutes. So if they do that again, you almost want to counter that with TATA coming in with that bulk and give Matty Burke the rest. But it's, it's a gamble because if you start with the ATA, then you have Matty Burke trying to finish. And I think that, like, much as he's a brilliant player, he's just a bit younger and just not the same size as the ATA. So happy with either of the two of them. But I, I think he will probably start with Matty Burke because I think he has been very good for us anytime he's been called upon. Scrummaging at the weekend, I thought he was extremely good until such a point that just everything changed because he was the one winning all those penalties early on. And then something changed and they were getting on top of Finley somehow. Finley was questioning the ref and the ref was saying, well, it's not my job to teach you how to scrum. And, you know, he's he's right. But I don't know what happened that changed or what clicked that changed. But uh, I'm hoping that the forwards coach uh, has worked it out with them. So that would be the three I'd go for. I worry because we were missing Dell. I think Dell has been the better hooker this season. Uh, nothing on Hefo. You know, he's Irish international. He's a brilliant kind of player. He's a huge servant to the province. But I just think Dell has been a bit more consistent this year and adds a little bit more dynamism at the moment, uh, just the way he plays. So big loss to have him not there at least on the bench as well you know so i think you'll see hefo probably playing 70 plus minutes well on that on the bench i think one of the really impressive things for me last weekend was when dylan tierney martin came on oh, yeah he had a fantastic carry off the back of a uh, rook almost straight away so i understand what you're saying about maybe missing delahunt but i'm really excited now dylan tierney martin's been out injured for such a long time yeah it was a and great prospect when he was on the under 20s and um, i just i think it's really exciting to see him back obviously Tough game to come into when you've only played one other game this season, but um, I, my worries of missing Dallas would be slightly mitigated by the fact that I think Tilly Martin has the potential to have a, a great couple of weeks now. Oh, 100%. And I love Dylan Tilly Martin. I was waiting for him to get back because I think he's going to be, you know, pushing between Dell and Heff. He's going to be pushing up there for a starting spot in the next year or two. But I just think it's so early for him. I think second or third professional game, you know, back after such a long injury going into this Leinster game, I think that they'll probably protect him and keep Hefo on for as long as possible. We've seen them do that in the past with, a, you know, much the way Ireland do with uh, Tyke Furlong, they leave him on for longer than kind of front rows are famously on for. I think you'll see Hefo on for quite a long time. That's not to say Dylan Tierney Martin, game in the balance, comes on on 70 minutes. He can make make a break. He's a dynamic hooker as well. He's brilliant. So, uh, yeah, like it's a little bit of a worry of mine just because you're missing someone as experienced as Delon, but it's, it's not like he's, you know, it's, a bad hooker to come on. I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think Burke to start, uh, p- mainly my reasons for that would be, I think when the game starts off, it can be quite cagey, quite of a, you know, a, a slow affair. I think he'll be suited more to that. I, I, I like the idea of bringing TATA on 
with tournaments to go, maybe amongst the carnage, uh, you know, that kind of impact um, off the bench. Um, you know what I mean? I'm I'm happy with I'm happy with that. I think if if Healy's starting, I don't fear Healy as much as I used to. Obviously, just what tends to be with you know when players get towards the end of their career. Um, so I, I wouldn't fear Burke going up against him. You know, obviously. Uh, Healy still Irish international, but uh, TAT coming on with three minutes to go. I, I I like that more than Burke coming on with uh, three minutes to go. And I agree. I think um, Heffer will start, and yeah, it hasn't been a great year for Heffer. And I'm sure he'll be the first to tell you, and no one needs to remind him of it. Um, but yeah, Tierney Martin as well. Just coming, even coming out ten minutes when you're that young, that almost naive to how big the occasion is, could be fantastic for him. Uh, and just running head first into you know into players and whatnot. I think that'll be that'll be good too, and then Finley. Obviously, we all know how good Finley is. Um, uh, we do we do a replacement tight head then, or yeah tight head before we move on to the locks. Westy, where do you think they're gonna go that direction? Um, yeah, it's interesting, Joe. Like I would see, I would see be interesting to see TATA in the tight head spot coming in. Um, but I think we're more than likely gonna see um probably Greg McGrath. On the bench again, you know, recent kind of, I don't know what what exactly story is with Angel at the minute. Um, Angier. Angier, Angier. Angier, as it's pronounced. Um, but yeah, I think we're probably likely to see Greg McGann and Tia Manga um, as our two replacements. Um, I think they went pretty, you know, they were very good when they came on at the weekend. Um, they weren't as as heavily involved in the defeat uh, two weeks ago. So um, it'd be interesting to see that. I mean, that's nothing against Duggan and Angier. Um, I just don't know what their status is in the squad um, at the minute. Um, From now on, we if anyone ever says Angel on this podcast again, they're they're off. Okay, it's Angier. Okay, and you say it right. Well done, Westy. I appreciate that. Uh, we'll move on to our locks. Um, Westy, we'll start with you this time. Uh, are you going young and inexperienced, or are you are you going beefier? Well, see, this is a tough one because I mean, I, I, I let's say in the last time we played Leinster, I was really excited to see. Uh, Murray and Dowling, the, the the starting pair, but obviously that didn't go uh, great. Now, obviously, other uh, other uh, factors are at play, but I'd say we're going to go with a bit of bulk on it because we're going to want to try and get that front football against Leinster early. Um, I don't think we'll see the likes of Thornbury start just yet. Again, he's just back from injury, but I think that's why he's more than likely he's more likely than anybody else to be that replacement that we have on the bench. Um, so I think it's either going to be Murray and Dowling. Uh, Murray or Dowling and Fafida. Um, if I was picking it right now, um, again, I think Murray had a great game last weekend, so I'd probably edge it with Murray. Um, it depends how you want to look at it, because I think Dowling is that slightly heavier player, but um, again, not I'm, I'm not overly well-versed on who's playing four and five, so I'll probably go with Murray at four, four eleven, Fafida at five, and then um, Thornbury to come on off the bench, I think. That's exactly what I would go for too. Uh, I just want, I just want the beef. I want the 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 player that we saw a couple of weeks ago in Leva. I want that Leva playing. Uh, Murray is such a line-out threat that I think we need him on the pitch as well. And then whether it's Dowling or Turnbury off the bench, I'm happy to go with either. Personally, if Turnbury's if they feel like he's back to that level, then bring him on. But I want Leva on that pitch for as long as possible. Sam. Yeah, I'd I'd go I'd go with Murray and Leva, and then Turnbury on the bench. I think that you've got. A sub option there for the lineup from Thornbury. He's bulk. He's a brilliant ball winner. He's you know if he was a couple of weeks further along his fitness, uh, in in his in his return to fitness, he'd probably be starting instead of Lev and have Lev on the bench. But uh, I think that he's a good impact player to have. He's a good experience player to have as well to come in. And Murray, you know, he scored tries the weekend. He's been exceptional. He's been brilliant. Uh, I think that you have him there to throw him up at two to get in the way of everything. Because if Leinster start with Dev Toner, uh, I don't 
know if they will, but if they do, Murray just mark man mark Dev Toner in the line out. I don't know how line outs work, but I presume that if you just throw him up slightly in front of him, you'll win the ball. It's it should be that easy, really, when you think when you break it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we're all happy with that. So uh, back row, which is again um, tough to choose, but I think Prendergast has the six jersey locked up. I don't think there's any uh, disagreement with that. Connor Oliver, uh, which to me has been Connacht's player of the year so far at seven. The number eight jersey is tough. Butler obviously gives you that experience, um, but not necessarily the bulk that you kind of want at eight. Paul Boyle has been not. Uh, he's been a little bit off the boil. Thank you very much. Uh, that just came to me again. Amazing. Um, I, I, sorry, as the Premier Sports uh, highlights package called him Paul Doyle, which was uh, <laughs> which, is, which is fun. Um, uh, where we where are we lean towards there, Sam? Paul Boyle, Butler. What Big I Papa, want to, anyone? Big Papa. What, what I want to do is I want to start with Papa, get on the front foot, and bring Ooh. Boyle bring Boyle on for his dynamism in his carrying because that you know he, he's a he's a dynamic eight. What I think will happen is he'll start with Butler because he wants that experience. He wants the captain in the forwards as well. Uh, and I think he'll start with Butler at eight and he'll have both ball, Boyle kind of as a sub flanker and Papa on the bench uh, in the 6-2 split, which I think is what he's going to do. But I would love if he started with Papa because I think having a player like him, I know he's a brilliant impact player, but what he also is, he's a front football player. And if you kind of get on top of them early with that front football and wear them down a little bit and try and get a score or two off the back of it, get a good 40, 50 minutes out of him, and then you can bring on Butler to short out and to be an experienced cam head. That's the way, or Boyle to kind of be dynamic with the ball outside a little bit. That's what I'd go for, but I don't think he's going to do that. I think he'll start with uh, uh, Jared Butler just because if he's, you know, he's one of the club captains. He is the club captain. He's not necessarily the on-pitch captain, but he'll start there and bring some leadership to the front and kind of try and play it that way. I think yeah, like from a fan's perspective, obviously we want but we want Big Papa because it's it's easy to see where he makes impact. Where the likes of a, a Jared Butler, you probably don't see the nuances that he brings to a team. No, the top he always of the has ref. His, his tackling stats are always amazing as well. He always has huge numbers of tackles. He's so he gets around the park so much. But I want Big Papa on that pitch at some stage Friday, and it's call it homerism, whatever you want. I think we need him for games like this, Westy. It's you need as as someone said before, it's a collisions game. You got to be fecking winning them, and Big Papa wins collision. Yeah, I I think it's it's a bit of a double edged sword um, having someone like Big Papa on. Oh, geez, I've used the phrase double edged sword about twenty times so far in this podcast. Um, it's interesting. Sword. I'm out of double edged sword. No single edged swords for me. Do you know who? What the Samurai haircuts really getting to you, Westy? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but what, the interesting thing about having I think um, Papa Lee on a bench is that it will be great to bring Papa Lee on in those games where let's, let's say 20 minutes ago, we're five or 10 points behind. I think that's, that's the great impact he has from the bench is to give us that fun forward ball. If we're not going to start a player like that, then to be able to bring him on in a close game, I think where what's maybe held him back at other points during the game is, is a perceived lack of versatility. So if we're already down 20 or 30 points, maybe they don't see the value in bringing him on or introducing him. Um, you know, like late late in the game when there's not, let's say, maybe there's more value in bringing in someone like Jared Butler or someone slightly um, more experienced or diverse in the coach's eyes. Um, where I think it's definitely he is someone who can change a game and give us go forward ball. Um, I think you guys are right in that Butler probably starts, um, given that he's a squad captain, and it also means that if we do sub someone off, it's not necessarily Butler. Butler can move to a six or seven position and we can bring on then uh, the likes of Boyer, the likes of Papa Lee. But yeah, I think if we're going with a 60 split, we'll probably see them both. I think if it's only going to be five, I think you'll probably see Boyle get it instead of Papa Lee. 
Yeah, that's a point now I never even considered, Westy. Do you think that maybe one of the reasons why we were okay with letting Big Papa go uh, and replacing him with Seamus Hurley-Langan, who is supposedly also a very strong player, back row players, does Papa Lee maybe lack the versatility of being able to play across the back row where you're seeing in the modern game a lot of six eights or six seven eights? Like Butler can play across the back row. Boyle plays six and eight. Uh, Hurley Langdon supposedly can play flanker or number eight. Uh, a lot of players, some players can play six, seven, eight, four and five. And seemingly Papa has only played eight except for defending and in the flanker position when we've been down to seven. So maybe that's a reason why we have been okay with letting him go because we just... We can't afford a single position player like that when we have such a tight squad. Yeah, I think I think it definitely has has an influence, right? And even you know, Papa Lee's been quite honest with us, and that like, he struggled a lot with the fitness aspect of of the Connacht squad. So, um, I think because of that, they don't see him starting in quite as well in a six or seven position where you have to kind of you have to work a lot more to get on the ball. Whereas in an eight, you're usually in a position where that ball comes to you, and it's about how how heavy you can carry in a lot of ways. Now. Don't get me wrong, there are plenty of other facets to an eights game. I'm just saying that these are the, the strong points for, for Papa Lee. So I think perhaps we're sacrificing, as I say, that little bit more bulk in that we can have a little bit more of a diverse back row. Even the Ireland team, right? We see the only position the back row that's ever really named on at the minute is probably Josh van der Fleer at seven because Doris, although people... Um, you know, people do acknowledge probably his best position is eight. We see him play a lot at seven because Conan is such a good eight as well. But there is that room for movability. I think that's something that with our kind of expanding game plan of, you know, can't play almost a, a quite a seven style attack in that every player is a potential ball carrier. So what we'll be looking at, I'd say, as next season goes on is we'll be seeing a lot more of players in different positions popping up where we're not used to seeing them. I think we already see that quite a bit in a connect attack. So I think you're right, Sam. That's probably one of the reasons that they were a perceived lack of his ability to do that or his diversity is probably what pushed him closer to a door. And lack of rain uh, in France. But we'll move <laughs> on to uh, 9-10. I think we're all agreed. Marmo and Jack will start. Blade on the bench and then the backup uh, kicking option could be Mac. You know, they could go Sammy. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that maybe afterwards. But... Um, Wingers is tough. Uh, obviously, Mac is your is your fledged on for one. The second winger is is a tough option. No one's really shown. No one's really um, outplayed the other options, and no one's really played awful either. Uh, Sam, we'll come to you here. Who's that second winger going to be to, to uh, tag alongside Mac? If everyone is fit, uh, which we believe that they are, I have Porch at fullback and Woots on the other wing because Woots will be back fit. I wouldn't put a pass for Andy. He did it against Leicester as well, completely out of the blue and out of nowhere, threw Healy in, uh, probably because Healy is a bona fide try scorer. He's good defensively. He's solid in the air and he's experienced. I wouldn't put a pass to him throwing a little bit, something like that in there. But I think if everyone is fit and firing and you believe that everyone's up to form as well, I think you probably have Woots in there. I know earlier on in the season, Porchy was playing on the wing, but we found out that he was actually scheduled to play at fullback and Woots was supposed to be on the wing, but was injured or sick at the time. So I think that that is something that they're looking at in the long term and probably one of the reasons why you haven't heard anything, uh, any news yet of any contract extension for Tiernan as well. So I think that fully fit, a full squad, I'd have Porchy in the wing and I'd, have, or I'd put Porchy fullback with Woots on one wing and Mac on the left wing. I'm in agreement with that. I think Porchy's best position is fullback. I think he's our best fullback. Yeah. Um, Taren just isn't in the form that he's been in for a while, and it's just it just hasn't seen, happened for him this year. Um, and I think Woods is probably the best of the remaining options. Um, I wouldn't be unhappy to see the like Sullivan in or uh, Peter Robert like that, but um, I think Woods is our better option there at that second wing spot. Westy. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you in that it's probably ideal situation. It's it's what's best. I'd say what we could end up seeing is the same back row from last week where it's it's Mac, Porchy and Tiernan at fullback. Um I wouldn't be happy with that. I don't think it's I don't think it's our most exciting combination. I think Porchy is so much better at fullback. He's better with that bit of space, that bit of able to, to read the pitch. His positioning is usually usually quite strong. He's usually quite good in the air. Um I think with Tiernan there's a habit of Sometimes trying to do it all himself this season. He's trying to play his own way back into form. Um, and often he'll pick a line or a gap that just isn't there and, and gets isolated and the ball gets slowed down. Or um, I don't know if he necessarily gets turned over, but um, we're not getting as much purchase off that counterattack as we we as a as an attacking, fluid-minded team should be looking to get. Um, but I, I still do think, like I, I think Jenin's a fantastic player. I think he's got so much talent. And I think... He is also an experienced guy. Like he, he's been around his squad for a long time, so I think that might see him. If let's say the likes of Wooten is is still carrying a niggle of some sort, um, it could see him edge out over it. You know, a fully fit tearing over somebody who's still working back or hasn't fully reached their conditioning um, targets probably gets it. And on top of that, as well, Tiernan, regardless of whatever form he's on, whatever form the squad are on, I think he scored a try in every four and a half games he's played for Connacht or something ridiculous. Like he is just an absolute try scoring machine. Even when he's not on form, he gets tries. So I think you can't you can't really overlook that. You know, especially that's why I said I mentioned the Healy against Leicester thing because it was so out of the blue and we haven't seen him before or after uh, at all. And I don't I haven't heard of him being injured. So it's just it seems strange, but. I think they, you know, it's not beyond the realm of possibility for having someone like that because they are just try-scoring players. Like Tiernan is a try-scorer at the end of the day. Like he can do that and he is strong in the air. Tiernan, if he can have a game that he's capable of, absolutely. That is brilliant. That is the best thing that could happen for Connacht is having a, an on-form Tiernan Halloran because he is a phenomenal fullback when he's on his day. It's just been quite a long time since we've seen that. And Porchy's had a lot of very good days at fullback. So I think at the moment in the form they're all on, I personally prefer Porchy at fullback, but... Yeah, if, if Tierney can lift it and he can replicate that 2016 Pro 12 final, happy days. I'll watch him run past a Carney floor and a try any day of the week. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd be going Portugal back myself, but, um, you know, I, I, I can see the arguments for, for each. Uh, centre partnership then, I think obviously Bundy at 12, and then it depends on who's going to partner him. Uh, and being honest with you, I'm happy if it's Sammy, I'm happy if it's Tom Farrell, and I think whoever starts, the, the other centre will be on the bench. Uh, in that second, uh, that that the second of the two spot, um, I think I, I I can't imagine either of you guys particularly want to see one or the over the other. No, I like them both. Uh, I really like them both as players. I think he'll go with Farrell because Farrell played quite well the last day. He looks to get free. He had the ball in one hand, looking for offloads so often, uh, and we know that himself and Bundy can work brilliantly in tandem. And then on another side thing, and this probably shouldn't come into the consideration of a coach in a knockout game against Leinster in the Heine Cup, but we know that it has been a consideration this season. Is Farrell is here next year, he signed on for two more years, and Sammy Arnold's not, so I think maybe he'll want to just build that and build around it and kind of get in the good faith on that. Sammy's probably a little bit more versatile as well if you're going 6-2 split. He's played on the wing for us against Munster a couple of times he played in the wing because they knew that they were going to batter down the blind side, so you might end up seeing him come onto the wing there as well. Uh, could always be an option pushing someone if, if Porchy starts in the wing and tearing him full back, you can put Sammy on for the defensive side of things and push Porchy back uh, so I think it opens up a little bit more of the pitch to have Sammy start on the bench. I think as well, if they do decide to go 5-3, I'd imagine Papa will come out and Connor Fitz will come in. I'd imagine that's what they'll do uh, if if they go 5-3. Again, I'd like to see them go 6-2. I think it's our, our higher upside. But I think, yeah, I think we're all agreed that's the kind of thing we'd go for. I think we'll see very something very similar to that. 
Um, I think that team's capable of of getting a win on Friday night for sure, uh, and I really hope that they do. Uh, so thanks, Vincent, for asking that question. Okay, last question comes in from Aidan McCabe. Uh, he said, if without being overly negative, if Connacht don't progress over the two legs, what's acceptable over the two games? So we sort of touched on this already, but I think we should uh, briefly uh, touch on this as well because a lot of questions were this. What is acceptable? Uh, we'll keep this uh, short, lads. Westy, what's acceptable after these two legs? What would you be, even if Connacht don't get through, what, what are you happy with? I, I suppose I said, as I said earlier, I'm... I'm I'm happy if we're if we're competitive and in the fight at the end of the first game, and if we go and give a good account of ourselves in the Aviva. Um, yeah, again, what counts as a good account of ourselves? It's more about play. I suppose I I I I would think like we usually tend to get a win over Leinster in every four games, so I think I think a win is 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 great and is possible and is is definitely there. If we win the first game, I think the second game is just a one-off game. We can still get it, but I think yeah, I think. Keeping our composure, playing a good brand of rugby, um, and yeah, it's staying in the fight. I think is it because I think when we did play them in the URC, we did see an up, you know, a looking away of heads and a kind of like you know a, 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 a slump in shoulders when you know when Leinster are running and tries. So I think staying close in the first game is really important because we need to make the first game an attainable thing for ourselves, um, and I think a, a, a positive showing from our brand of rugby, a faith in our game plan. Um, and a willingness to go after it. I think I think to believe, to play with a bit of faith that the game is there for us to win um, is acceptable. I, I don't know if you want to give me, like in scorelines, what I think an advocate score is acceptable, but I think I think the most important thing that we have to focus on, we have to go week in, week out. I think to be in the fight after the first 80 minutes, to me, is where we have to be to make this worthwhile. I would agree with that. Sam? Yeah, same as that. I don't think you can quantify or put a, put a kind of a price on what is acceptable prior to the game because it's con- completely contextualized by how we play. We could end up losing by 20 points, but I could go, look, they, Jesus, they gave it their all and they're playing against that Lancer team that went out full, you know, could be close to a 15 Irish player starting and 20 points with a good game. Like it, it might be that we come out going, look, we're proud of the way that they played, but that is just a team that you're, you know, they're a team that want to win the Champions Cup. They went into the entire tournament saying they want to win the Champions Cup. We went into the tournament saying we wanted to get to the knockouts. That is the start of season uh, aspirations for the two teams. And that has to be you know, the context. So if we come out of the game and we've lost by 20, but we've given a good account of ourselves, that's OK. And I look at that. But at the moment, before the game, I don't think I can put a kind of a, a scoreline or a price on what I think is going to be acceptable. What I will only accept as acceptable is a team that puts up a fight, that plays for it and that goes out into minute one of the game believing that they can win and plays that way until the 80th even if they don't win i want to see a team that looks like they want to win you know i don't want to see a team that gives up after 50 minutes so that's that's what i think is acceptable is a team that looks like they want to win for the entire 80 yeah agree i, I said before I want, I want a team that's going to fire a shot ideally yeah like what said i want us to be going to the viva next week with um no, us thinking we have a chance, you know, and then I said giving a good account. Yeah, the way the the kind of the players sort of give up in that Leinster game is not ideal. I understand it, obviously human nature, but I don't want to see that. I want to see a punch thrown and a fighter's chance going into the Viva. But um, we'll leave the kind of stuff there, lads. Um, we'll move on to the other provinces. But um, everyone going to the game, make sure you know the crowd is a huge factor in these games. It's going to be eight thousand people there. You know, it was atmosphere was good for the first minute of the first Leinster game and then fortunately the red card sort of deflated it but let's try and uh, get a good atmosphere going for 80 minutes but uh, Westy 
Let me let me paint your scenario, right? You you have you have a fantastic European campaign. You win four of your four games, nineteen points, tied at Racing ninety two at the top of your pool, and you get for your congratulations, you get to lose in the in the last in these a leg of two games. Ulster, you got to feel for them. Not ideal. <laughs> it's almost as bad as having Leinster, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, but we didn't. No, we finished sixth or fifth, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, probably probably not the outcome they were expecting. Um. Really tough game, really tough place to go and get a win. I mean, not everybody is a Connacht who can go and do it, but, you know, um, we'll have to see how Ulster get on. No, I think, look, I think Ulster are pretty, well, I think if they can shake off the last two weeks in South Africa, I think they are still in a really good place to win this game. As you said, they had a difficult group and they came through it really, really well. Um, They've also brushed aside most of their opposition in the URC. They got two wins over Leinster in the URC. Okay, they went down to South Africa. Conditions were tough. They didn't get the results they wanted, but they played some beautiful rugby. And as we've already said, one of the games, they actually won it. They just weren't given the fucking try at the end. Um, so if, and if you're Ulster, I think you're confident. I think that they have almost a full squad available. They have all their internationals back. They have a Balakoon back available, as far as I'm aware. Um, and they, like us, you know, we talk about our goal being the, the knockout stages. Their goal is the final. Like, so they will be looking at this like we had to beat to lose at some point, so we might as well do it now. Um I think in the case of someone like Ulster, uh, you're slightly more in favour of the two legs because France is a very, very difficult place to go. So similar to us, right? Um, same, same, but different. If they stay in a fight at the end of the 80 minutes against Toulouse, Toulouse going to have to come to, to the Kingspan and beat them in, in Belfast. That's going to be very, very difficult for historical French teams that do not travel well. Um, Obviously, that becomes different when we get to like Heineken Cup quarterfinals and semifinals, but this is still uncharted waters for a lot of these teams. So if, if Ulster can stay in, or even if Ulster can go to Toulouse and get a win, it it's almost, it, it'll be very interesting to see what even happens in Belfast in two weeks. So I think Ulster are exactly where they want. Well, okay, it's difficult to say this thinking of the last two weeks because they're not exactly where they want to be. They would have loved to beat those two South African teams in South Africa. But for the season as a whole, I think they're where they want to be. They've, you know, at the, the only result I can think of outside of the Africans that really frustrate them is losing uh, to a 14-man Munster, you know, which was just, you know, a very, very good performance for Munster to, to galvanise and win that game. I think Ulster have achieved a lot of, of what they want to achieve already this season, and I think they'll be licking their lips at the idea of this game. To be I think they'll be loving it. Sam, Ulster, I said they've had a fantastic campaign. They, you know, they have the team to do it. They have the talent to do it. They brought in the likes of Dwayne Vermeulen for for games like this. How do you see them handling this expectation of no, not not maybe expecting to beat Toulouse? You know, because it's Toulouse, but you know they wanna they wanna be in at the big boy table. This is what they want. How how do you think they'll handle it? The big question is: Are they going to France to lose or to win? Hey oh, oh, that's that. second great pun of the of the podcast, Westy. Me and Sam have had good puns. You've you've got like ten minutes to come no, up. No, no one has ever podcast. used that pun before. Toulouse has never come up. Uh, no, I think that they they you know the signing from Mullen you you pointed out is a it's a one for a game like this. It's a, it's a game that they'll want to win and that they're going to go over. And I think they'll be buoyed by the results they got away in Leinster and away with Claremont earlier on this season. So I think that they're they're going to kind of feel themselves a bit you know the the top dogs in this loser kind of they're having an up and down season they look like it, they're a big scalp that Ulster can take in an opportunity that will allow Ulster to take them because they're not having the best they're a bit patchy form and you know Ulster outside of the results in South Africa which weren't necessarily the full story 
they're having an extremely good season. The, the Connacht result aside, you know, they've, they've been brilliant all year. So I think that they'll want to go to this game and they'll want to lay down a mark and they'll want to give themselves something to cheer about when they go back to Raven Hill. So I think that they can definitely go over. And you've got the likes of Cooney and Doak fighting it out for nine, both on very good form. You've got uh, Hume in that back line. You've got uh, Vermeulen brought in. So I think that there's no reason why they won't go and give a good account of themselves keep it close or sneak a win and then go back to Ravenhill. And I think that if they go back to Ravenhill with the win, I don't think there's any stopping them. Yeah, this is this is what I love about Ulster because I know that they're good enough. I just don't... So we haven't seen it yet. And that's why it's so exciting to watch this this weekend. And, you think and we haven't seen it yet, though, the Claremont results and the Leinster results, I think. Yeah, but when it when it really matters, as in, you know, at the at the end of the season kind of thing. I'm not, not in a bad way. I'm just saying, like, it just hasn't happened for them yet. I think they're good enough. But this is a, a win now against Toulouse over these two legs is like a statement. We're here. We actually, you know, we're in contention this time. I really think that Leinster away result was a statement and that they wanted to make it. And you saw the way Hume celebrates at the end of it. I think that that was a moment for them where they went, look, we are not in this to get to the semifinals. This is a, we're going after the URC. We're going far in the Champions Cup. We're taking the scalps. And I think that that was, that was a statement result. And I think that that will have buoyed them on. And that, that to me is the kind of moment where they've gone, look, we are not just in this for the crack. We're going for this. We're going on to it. You know, looks like Leinster walk in the URC, but the beauty of the rugby league, the, the league system in rugby is you have your semifinals and your finals. So Ulster have every chance of pushing them as far and they've beaten them twice this season. And then in the Champions Cup, this Toulouse game, it's there. It's, you know, there's no easy draws in the Champions Cup. I'm looking at it and you're kind of, you're looking at like Bordeaux, La Rochelle, Sale, Bristol, Stad, Racing, Exeter, Munster. There's no easy, no easy draws for anyone there. Most teams probably pains me to say it would have wanted to draw Connacht in the, the second round. So, uh, Ulster Connacht think, wanted to draw Connacht if it was somehow possible. <laughs> Ulster, Ulster kind of probably got a Toulouse at a point where they can get out of Toulouse, and that's probably the best, the, the best draw they could have gotten this year, really. That's uh, no, I, I, I'm not trying to be harsh on Ulster here. I, I would love them to see them do well. They, um, I'm just that that Leinster team that they bet wasn't look, it was still a good team, but it wasn't a Toulouse in France. In the in the Champions Cup, that's all I'm saying, and I I hope to do it, and I think if they do win on Saturday, uh, it, that's a bigger statement to me. Also, that game's a quarter past four, and then the Munster game's at half five. Who the hell organised that? Is it Why quarter past three? Isn't it? No, quarter past four. Oh, Google has it unless, wrong. Unless that unless that's local time. That's probably local time because Google has it wrong. Google has a three fifteen here. Okay, Champions Cup has the website has a quarter past four. They probably do local, but they do local times for the Champions Cup website, surely. Uh, I hope so I hope so um, but yeah that'll be fantastic to watch we'll move on then to uh, Munster travel to Exeter uh, I said at half half five um, Westy Munster without the likes of Coombs now which is a huge loss um, but I think have been gathering momentum slightly uh, what is your thoughts ahead of this game I think it, it, they're unfortunate in terms of injuries like Tyke Byrne I think is, is unavailable as well Um they're missing players in key areas that really could be the difference in a game like this. Um, Exeter is a tough place to go. Exeter aren't acquired at the level they have been in the last couple of years where they've you know been uh, title contenders in every competition, but a good win last weekend, I think, against Bath was um, who have who are a lot better now in the second half season than they were earlier on in the season. But um, I think it's a very, very tough place to go. I think Munster aren't really in the form that they would have liked to be in. Uh, a bit of a disjointed last couple of weeks with players away and then the loss to Leinster. Um, 
I don't envy them having to go to Exeter. I think it's it's probably one of the more difficult places to go of of the Irish teams this weekend, with the exception, of course, of Leinster coming to Galway. Um, but I, yeah, I I I I personally, there's not a lot from the weekend against Leinster that I see giving them the victory over over Exeter in England. I think almost similar to what what does buoy me is kind of the performances they put in earlier on in the Champions Cup, right? And what what always kind of brings me back with Munster is they do have a, a kind of a special relationship with this competition. They are always better in a, in the Highland Cup than they are in the domestic games. It's just a different switch that they turn on or something um when they line out there. So I I I unfortunately I don't I don't think they'll win it. I don't think they'll win away in Exeter, but I think it's a similar um a similar line maybe maybe more 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 similar to us than it is to Ulster in that if they stay in a fight and stay in the competition and bring the fight back to Tomond, um that's a very difficult place for Exeter to also come back uh, and get a win. So although it's not ideal for them right now to go away, I think they'll fancy the fact that it's over two legs especially. Exeter, yeah, Exeter are not going to be wanting a tight game going back to Tomond. You are spot on with that. This is a weird one for me because I don't think Munster are that good, uh, and like especially when it comes to this level of competition. I, I think Exeter are a far better team. I think the way Munster play doesn't lend itself to winning this competition very well. But yet it's Munster, and I've said that before in other games this year, and Munster have dragged out a win. They, they've been hanging around, and it impacts the other team. They they know about the history of Munster just as much as anyone else. They know what happened in tight games, the likes of a Mahoney, the likes of a Jack O'Donoghue, the likes of, I said, normally a tight burner and whatnot. Um, but they know that those players, they succeed, they thrive in those kind of tight game situations. So that's why I'd be I'd struggle to back against Munster, but I don't think that they're very uh, well. They're up. They're a decent team. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're very good at this level compared to the likes of an Exeter. Um, so I think Exeter will win. I think Exeter will want to win fairly well uh, to keep it somewhat comfortable going to Toman because no team wants to go to Toman in Europe, especially if it's a tight game. Uh, Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I think Munster are a big bunch of bullies. And are able to bully everyone until they're not. So at the weekend, they played Leinster and Leinster really bullied them. And Leinster put it up to them physically. And when Munster have it put up to them physically, they're not capable of playing. I don't think that they have as good a backline as, say, Connacht do. Uh, so when they don't have that front foot ball, that bully kind of that tight burn winning the, uh, the ball, and then they're good strong props running or Gavin Coombs running and getting extra yards. I, when that doesn't work for them, I don't think they have much else. I think the Carberry can be quite quiet. I think... They looked a lot better when Ben Healy came on and they moved Carberry to 15. And in my mind, if I was the coach, that's what I'd go with against Exeter now because Carberry's really not done much for me at 10 there. Ben Healy has for a year or so been quite good. So if I was Munster, that's what I'd do. But I just think that they're not going to be able to match Exeter physically. And if they don't match Exeter physically, I think Exeter will get on top. Munster in a funny position where a couple of weeks ago, I was praising them for how their team had kind of responded to a bad period and kind of said that, look, the young lads in them have really stepped up and they've started to kind of get a team bond together and you can see that they're fighting for each other. Uh, and I think that that lasted a little bit of time and maybe it's dwindling out again. For me, if Munster want to go for it, you know, stick Craig Casey in, stick some of the young lads like Hodnett in, uh, you know, and bring a bit of youth and exuberance to it because much like Westy was talking about Dylan Tierney Martin, not being kind of overawed by the situation because he's very young. Those Munster young lads have looked like they've done the business. They did the business away in Wasp, but no one really gave them a chance earlier on in the season as well. So that to me is how they win because I don't think that they're going to be capable of overpowering Exeter and Munster's successful rugby in the last couple of years. And in, in you know, in, in traditionally in history as well, but particularly since Van Grand taken over has been 
when they are the bully not being bullied and uh, against Leinster at the weekend they were given absolutely nothing by that Leinster pack and then Leinster brought on an even stronger front row and made it even harder for them so Exeter will look to do similar and will take a lot of kind of game plan from that Leinster performance and like you said Exeter will have noted how few tickets were sold for Thoman for the Leinster game because the kind of atmosphere around the club isn't the best at the moment people don't want to travel to go to games and Exeter are going to be like don't give them an excuse don't give them an excuse to sell tickets don't make it tight just hockey them now at home get the win and make sure that Thoman isn't rocking for the return fixture make sure that it's like a drab kind of procession to being knocked out as opposed to a game for the ages where they pack out home and they overcome Exeter at home to go on, you know, against all the odds. That's what Exeter are going to want to stop from happening. They're going to see the ticket sales. They're going to see the kind of atmosphere. They're going to try and utilize that. So I think it'll be an Exeter win. I think it'll probably be comprehensive. Uh, if I was a Munster fan, I would like to see some of the younger lads brought in because I think they bring a different element to that Munster team. And that is to me the way that they can get at Exeter if they try. I have a question, right? Cause we've, We've, we've mentioned it in a few different contexts, right? We've said maybe Ulster need to get the win or stay close in the first game. Extra will look to maybe put this away. Extra and Leinster maybe look to put this away in the first game. Where do you think the advantage lies with having the first game at home or the second game at home? Second game at home, I think. Second game at home, I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think that's the best way to have it. I think you leave yourself knowing what you want to do and what you need to do, and then you have the backing of your crowd to do it. Whereas... I think that if you have the first game at home, you have to really try and, like in cricket, you have to try and build up the score and try and get as many runs ahead and then try and just hold them out. Well, Sam, if you ever mention cricket again... On I'm this just podcast, appearing, appealing to a wider demographic. We're stuck No on one our... that watches cricket listens to this podcast. Not yet. <laughs> that is... Not until my extremely in-depth cricket knowledge comes out. <laughs> you, could have, you could have made it much more available and talked about Liverpool's eking out of a 3-1 win last night and a pretty poor performance, but you go with cricket instead. Don't, what? no. Off don't even start. No, absolutely not. Do poor performance. I watched it. Liverpool <laughs> should have won about 8-0. The fact it was only 3-1 is ridiculous. It was a brilliant performance. I'm going to edit all this out. You, you're, 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 you're never going to hear this. Anyone who's... <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. Uh, yeah, I think you made a really good point there, though, Sam. Um, playing the playing the likes of Craig Casey, maybe the likes of Ben Healy, it comes back to the age of... Will Munster get out of their own way? Like this... Uh, the Munster way bullshit that's been holding them back for years. Um, Casey's a better scrum half than Conor Murray at the moment. Play him. He's more exciting. He gets the, gets the pack going more. But they can't because, oh, God, it's Conor Murray and, you know, how good he's been or was that's and it happened it's happened year 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 in year out and I think if Munster just get out of their own way a little bit they could easily beat Exeter but is Zeebo back for the weekend actually because he could be a big difference if you get him coming back in just to give you not after not giving the bloody ball not if they're up with their jumper you know the Munster way they're not going to do it so you could have fucking Jesus Christ himself out there in the wing it's not going to make a difference Jesus can't play rugby because he's got holes in his hands isn't that right Westy (laughs) It's only a 12 friends as well, mate. You only have 12 friends. <laughs> um, right, okay. I think we'll wrap up there. It's been a bumper one. Westy, uh, last chance to get a pun in before we finish uh, or else you're a constant disappointment. Well, I guess I'm a constant disappointment. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, 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 the hole in the hands one with Jesus was right there and Sam took it from you. It's just too quick for me. Just like Sam in bed, it was just too quick. Hey, oh, that's, a, well, that's not bad. We'll give you that. It's not a pun, but it's okay. It's humorous. Uh, we hope everyone enjoys the weekend of rugby it's a Friday night if you're going to the game enjoy it enjoy pints for afterwards if you see of us we should all be there um, 
uh, come over and say hi obviously no bother at all and then Saturday enjoy all the rugby I just checked uh, Sammy right it's local time so that uh, Toulouse uh, Ulster game is a quarter past three I'm going to be hung over I'm going to get a takeaway probably and I'm going to enjoy it and then the Masters is on oh it's just beautiful it's going to be a great weekend for Steve i tell you that uh, thanks for listening everybody and uh, we'll be back next week to recap it all cheers boys cheers